Welcome to the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help you find your freedom in every aspect of your business. Captivity comes in many forms, from stale, ineffective sales and marketing tactics, to outdated technology and workflows, to teams who are performing far less than their true capabilities. On this show, you'll hear compelling conversations with your peers in the insurance industry, as well as from top-shelf professionals in related fields who are leading the charge towards what's coming next. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Hey, folks, welcome to another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. We help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. And my guest for this episode is a personal friend and colleague here in the McKinney area. I love it when I get to bring someone to you that you've definitely never heard of, unless you or your spouse happen to be involved in the Rodan and Fields ecosystem. If that's the case, then you almost certainly have heard of this lady because she is an OG in the Rodan and Fields uh, world, one of the best, the highest quality uh, multi-level marketing platforms out there. Um, So Andrea Olson, welcome to the show. Thank you, James. It's so exciting to be here. Yeah, I I love it when I get to throw curveballs because just about everybody that comes on this podcast has some direct tie to the insurance industry. You're either an agent or you're somebody from a carrier or a vendor that serves the agent community. You're none of those things. You just happen to be, one, a podcaster in your own right, which is cool. Two, an experienced business leader and the leader of a team. Remind me how many people are in your downline. It was hundreds, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's thousands. So we're we're about 1,300 currently. And wow. Yeah, yeah. And you, we'll get into the whole Rodan and Fields thing because I want you to tell that story because I would tell it very poorly and make it sound like some kind of scam, which it's definitely not. Allison has been involved in similar home-based businesses, sell in your free time kind of thing. You definitely don't look. You have made it an actual thing, a full-blown business, and you treat it as such where you've got a team and you've got organizational things. You've got logistics that are all part of the way that you run uh, your Rodan and Fields operation. But one of the things, and, and listeners, if you're wondering, like, why is, why is Rodan and Fields on an insurance podcast? Like, this is weird. The main thing that I want Andrea to get into is the way that she builds a team, the way that she does training and onboarding, the way that she keeps a team. As as, uh, as we said right before we got on here, you've been doing this for almost 11 years. So that's yeah. kind of where the, the map is. So first off, Andrea, give us your bio. Like what's uh, what's the 411 and what you've been up to uh, and recently? How'd you get to this point in your career? And then we'll dive right into the Rodan and Fields thing and, and talk about how you were leading out there. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that intro. And yeah, it's really neat to be on a podcast where we are talking about a different industry than maybe you typically have featured because I listen to podcasts with a variety of industry backgrounds too. And I find that there's so much overlap in value. So hopefully that's what um, someone listening walks away with as well. So yeah, my back, my backstory actually started in human resources out of college. I was leading an HR team for a major fashion retail company based here in Dallas. I was climbing that corporate ladder that I thought for sure was going to be my forever career. 
Uh, and I, I actually thought it was my dream job. So I wasn't looking for a way out of it. Uh, so when I decided that I wanted to try entrepreneurship, I didn't necessarily know where that path would lead. And I think that's important to note because maybe it's not been a lifelong dream of yours to own a business, but you find yourself there or you find yourself being compelled to look into it for the first time. That's a pretty normal place for a lot of entrepreneurs to begin. I pretty rapidly, though, figured out that it was for me and it was something I was going to love and enjoy. And then when I realized that, I definitely poured more of myself into it. And I feel very fortunate that it was Rodan and Fields that I found because I, I definitely have seen that not all companies, not all brands are created equal in terms of longevity, sustainability. Um, are they a consumable product? Like there's so many variables that you have to consider. And whether it's in the multi-level marketing space or true small business space, all things that you want to look at. So for me, when I when I came into that, I realized really quickly that this was something I could either pursue as a business, as a business owner, or I could dabble. And there's nothing wrong with either. I think you have to decide how much you're willing to give it for sure yeah. um, and what you're willing to pour into it. But that was... That was like a decision point that if I look back on it, it happened a decade ago. I had to make that decision and that decision had to continue to be made. And I, I would I would want to stress that because it isn't something you just start at the right time and you you just get lucky. I mean, there are a lot of people that started when I started that are not doing this anymore, that are no. not super successful, that have really taken a different path. And Again, there's no judgment to that, but it isn't about one particular thing when it comes to small business. So yes, I feel very fortunate that I landed in a company that had longevity and still has longevity and is continuing to innovate, which as you know, as a business owner, if you're not innovating, you're definitely dying. Yeah. And I, I get to be a piece of that. And then I got to put my own personal brand on it to your point of like what I do differently. Uh, we can talk about that in whatever depth you want. But oh, yeah. We, yeah. We, we're going to get far into that for thing. sure. Okay, good. Yeah, I yeah. think that's the that's, thing. that's the fun stuff. And we're not yeah. pitching Rodan and Fields today, but exactly. we're definitely pitching your approach to the game. And I want to ask, I mean, no one any disrespect, but yeah. that, that being said, every single chamber of commerce in the country, it feels like, has those people that show up that you can tell it's like, oh, the God, like I'm trying out a new business. I've got this thing going on. And I, there's no way for me to not sound like I'm being uh -huh. intentionally offensive. <laughs> but it's like a clone. It's a copy and paste. It's a, it's a little, little stamp thing. It's like, oh, that's cute. You've got an MLM that you subscribe to and you're going to come in here yeah. two, maybe three times and pitch us <laughs> and you'll disappear like everybody does. The vast majority of people that get into a home-based business, MLM kind of thing. It's like you said, it's a little a, a tinkering thing. It's a hobby. It's a side hustle. And then there are people like you here at the local mm -hmm. chamber in McKinney. Mary Kay is the company that Rita Townsend is her name, but mm -hmm. she is like all the way in. She's got yeah. her, I don't, second or third Cadillac or whatever. I have no idea what their levels are, but whatever uh -huh. it is, she's executive platinum or whatever their mm -hmm. version is. How in the world does someone, did you go from, hey, this is a 
hobbyist, as a side hustle. I'm making some spare change for my family to buy a nice pair of shoes or, or whatever the, the, the mom who typically joins a company like Rodan and Fields. What is it that makes it go from that to, hey, you know what? This is a legitimate business. This is, I'm going to treat this as one, a full-time job or quasi-full-time. You know, yeah. more than just five or 10 hours a week or whatever is normal for someone who's doing it completely on the side. But, but how does someone go from, the, you know, one to the other? And I'm, I'm going to ask the question of the, the, the feminine side of the equation of being a mom, being the leader of your home. It, that's the, my follow-up question. So if you're going to answer something in that side of things, there's a follow-up question to it. So okay. let's just talk about the opportunity first. And yeah. then we'll get into the wearing different hats thing that definitely comes after. Yeah. Well, I think a couple of things happened. Number one, if you're going to be that person that when you show up to a chamber meeting, people know, then you have to be doing the uncommon thing over and over and over again. Because the common thing is to do it when you're new, to be excited for a short period of time. And then when your feelings creep in around, well, it's not new anymore or there hasn't been a new product in three months and there's no special offers right now. Whatever the feeling of like why you're not as jazzed today, creep in and like letting that stop you. That's really what most of the time happens in businesses like this is that people do allow their feelings to become their roadmap. And really you can't in any business let that be your decision maker. So I think doing the uncommon thing over and over again, long before somebody's going to see that. I talk a lot about that on my social media because I think that that's really true no matter what profession you're in. It's so easy to show up for the bright lights and the and the big moments, but you don't get to that unless you're willing to do the things behind the scenes that nobody is ever going to know you did. In fact, they're not going to know if you didn't do them either. And I had this realization early on was like, nobody's going to fault me if I don't fully pursue this because I've got this incredible six-figure career. I already have success. So nobody's going to fault me if I don't go all in here. And I was working full-time 50-plus hours a week while building this to begin. I didn't leave my job with no paycheck to build this business. I was having to do the uncommon thing, early mornings, work from my car over my lunch break a couple times a week, if that even existed, and then at night and weekends. So I was for sure doing the uncommon thing in my 20s before anyone would suspect that I wanted that or should be pursuing it. So that's number one. I think that's a big piece. The other piece for me, which was definitely a motivator, was that I started to become obsessed about what it could do for others. It's really one dimensional when it's only about you and you're just consumed with like what's in it for you. I think that a lot of times that's not enough. Like that might be the starting gate that might motivate you to say yes. It may inspire you for the first six months. But eventually, if your circumstances change, if your lifestyle changes, something's going on personally, it can be really, it can be really one sided to stay there. So for me, what really shifted was starting to see the spillover effect it was having on other people, both from a product and experience in the business perspective. And that that propelled the next level of growth because then it became all about building an organization, all about building an environment where other people could succeed. And it quickly moved away from me and into, okay, let's make this something for a lot more people. Love it. Now that is 
That is exactly the sort of answer I expected you to give. It's very on brand for, I don't know what your next podcast is, but if it's not <laughs> on brand, Andrea, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you're doing it right. Like that should definitely yeah. be a thing. I, I totally spitballing here, obviously. The follow-up question, it just, it leads itself right in from, from the last one. As a woman, as a mother, as the mm-hmm. primary caregiver of your home, as the, the person who's predominantly, you know, either making a grocery run or arranging for Instacart to come to your house or whatever you guys do. Yeah. How have you found the perfect balance for you and, and any advice that you give someone who maybe is aspiring to do something like what you have done? We have a, a, a pretty broad mix of, of listeners of this podcast. They're almost all from the insurance industry, of course, but young and old, new and not new, and male and female, all represented pretty well here. How have you figured out what works for you to wear the mom hat and wear it well? Because your kids are fantastic. They're involved in a bunch of different things. And uh, they obviously are are well emotionally and socially developed. So I know you're not just sitting them in a room in front of a screen somewhere. Um, no. how, how have you done that successfully? Well, thank you. I uh, Well, first of all, I have plenty of moments I don't feel completely successful in that. So I'll be sure. honest about that with That's anyone. That's parenting, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, oh. Um, but yeah, so I think... I mean, this is a future podcast episode, actually, because I was just talking to somebody else who does what I do at a very high level. And we were talking about how balance is a moment to moment discussion. It is actually not something that I strive for in my day to day life. I strive for balanced moments. I really do. I I really try to just pay attention to what my family needs in each season. And it looks different uh, based on what's going on. But it's not It's not like for a whole month, everything just was balanced. It's like, well, this week was a major week in my business. And so I had to make some much different dinners. I had to do a lot more Instacarting. I had to do a lot less volunteer work. And then this next week is a week that that can be my primary and my attention and time can be there. So, I mean, I always feel like that's important to talk about. I I enlist the help of, you know, a virtual assistant and someone that helps clean our home and things that I'm just truly grateful for, but there's no way somebody could secretly be thinking, oh, she can do that all herself. There's just no way. I also know the things that I alone can do and the things that I can get help doing. And there are certain pieces of my business that I do not outsource for that reason. The pieces that are um, customer facing, you know, talking directly to my customers. I am the one that does that. Yeah. And my brand on social media and all of that, because I know that that gives me a pulse on my business, but also what I need to be doing future focused in my business and then training my team. I obviously have a lot of collaborative partners, um, you know, Crossline, other teams, um, even other, other industries that I collaborate with a lot. And that definitely makes a difference. But I just know what I need to be doing versus I can enlist the help of others. But I mean, motherhood has stretched me in ways that business never could. I mean, I I feel like I had a lot of confidence as an entrepreneur uh, before I had kids. And then I had my son seven years ago. And I was at that point fully out of corporate America. I was doing my business as my quote unquote full-time, even though it was not necessarily a typical full-time schedule. And I was scaling that and I had him and everything just kind of 
was like, okay, now I understand why everyone says build it while you can for the moments that you can't. And, yep. I, you know, I for anyone listening, no matter what industry you're in, I always say like seize the current opportunity that's right in front of you so that you don't miss the fact that when you see something with such clarity, there's a reason for that. I mean, if you see something that's under, you know, underutilized or an untapped potential, your vision for that is on purpose. Like I couldn't have even shared the full vision I had for what I was building until I was in the thick of it and people could start to see. I, it was nearly impossible. Not many people got it until they got it. And that at that point was only because I had been doing it for a period of time behind the scenes building it. And then it was evident, you know, so definitely don't let somebody else's opinion creep into what you're going to pursue and why you're going to pursue it. But it like as far as motherhood, I just it completely shifted what mattered in business and what yeah. wasn't going to matter and get my time. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things of what you just said that really stood out to me is something that I have found to be incredibly important personally. And I, I do a reasonably good job of living it out. I can always be better, of course. I was pulling up the book here because I wanted to show it. And for those of you that are watching on YouTube, it is, come on, focus. There you go. Yes. Finding Your Zone of Genius, Laura Garrett. I get the feeling from what you just said, you've probably read this book, right? I have. I've listened to that book. Yes. Yeah. Listening, yeah. Read, reading, it's all the same, right? That's <laughs> well, a, that, to and, me, that's one of those things. It falls into that category. What do I have time? Yeah. Where can it fit? So You've yeah. consumed that book, as I like to yeah. say. So, yeah. you know, staying in your zone of genius that is uniquely Andrea, the stuff that you have to do because other people on your team, whether it's your you know, your executive assistant, whether they're virtual or here locally, or someone who's helping you clean the house or pick up groceries or do something else that absolutely no disrespect to people that are doing that for their profession. It's it's a stepping stone to whatever their individual goals are. And everybody serves a purpose, right? You know, and yeah. as my grandfather said, somebody has to pick up the trash from their street. Like yeah. if there's not someone running the trash truck, society falls apart. Like mm -hmm. everybody has their role to play. And I, I, I certainly have realized that over time, over years, I stopped downplaying the roles that other people are playing. One, it's arrogant. Two, it's completely foolish because every single person has an important role. Perhaps some people will have less important roles than they currently have when AI takes over and we're all out of a job. <laughs> uh, but that remains to be seen. That's probably years off. So um, I, any, any thoughts there before I pivot? Well, I was just going to say, like, when you were talking about the reliance that we have on others fulfilling roles that are important, you know, in in the business that I'm in, so many people do what I do very part-time to fulfill a need. And then they realize that they're no longer doing it for that purpose and that it's evolved. And so, like, I think that that's a healthy place to continue to evaluate in whatever you're doing, whatever you're pursuing is like, what originally got me interested in doing this was that, but that's no longer what's pulling me forward towards new sets of goals. And I definitely, in, in the period of time I've been a business owner, have had to reevaluate that many times over. So no matter what profession you're in, I think it's super important. And and what I do, like we talk about, it's like a volunteer workforce in what I do, right? Like nobody is an employee of the company. Nobody's my employee. We are on a team. I do the same work 
technically that others do. I've just chosen to do something different with it. So I've built an organization with a culture, with a with a training program and an onboarding structure. That's the difference. Otherwise, I literally bought the same business starter pack that anybody could buy to start this business. It's just kind of like what I chose to do next. Yeah, and I think that leads us to the real meat and potatoes of the 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 point, the message of this episode. I love the the bio, the backstory. I love that stuff because it's your story and it's unique to you for sure. The comments that I get from people on, oh my gosh, that episode with so-and-so was so great. It's because of the stuff that we're about to talk about here in just a moment. You mentioned having a very rigid structure of, hey, I have built this thing and everybody who wants to come into what I built This is what you do. There's training, there's onboarding, there's continuing education after someone's already a rep and already reasonably successful. Talk to me about building out that structure because so many people in the insurance world don't have a clue how to properly equip and train and onboard someone. It's like they agree to work at someone's office and then the business owner, the office manager goes, all right, here's a phone book. There's your desk over there. Go have fun. It, yeah. I, I'm a being a little bit hyperbolic, of course, but it's not much more than that in a lot of shops out there. For the longest time, wasn't much more than that here at Riskwell. But I'd love to hear your take on the whole building structure into training, to onboarding, to equipping people that say, I want to do this with you. Yeah. Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. Well, you bring everything you've ever done in your life with you into whatever you do next. And so I had this background in HR. I've always been a part of organizations. I was super involved in college with anything I could get my hands on. I was always leading groups of people. I was signing up to do all that stuff. So I for sure had a lot of practice over the years long before I had a business in my hands to Mm -hmm. do that with. But I I think the other piece is that you can never downplay the fact that you're picking up success clues from other people. I learned what I knew starting off in this business from listening to other leaders who I respected, things about their style. You know, it may not have been all my style, but I took things that worked for me and I applied it to my business, to my approach. And so you don't have to take on someone's full persona as your own. But for sure, like examine what's working and take bits and pieces that work and then figure out a way to put them together so that they make sense to somebody receiving it. So I did a lot of, you know, trial and error on that one because you're not going to know until you start to see evidence of it working. So 
you know, we created this kind of microcosm environment, this separate group page for new consultants to the team. And that environment's sole purpose was to bring somebody new in and help them feel equipped right from the start on how to launch their business. There's so much to be said about like, you know, the first 90 days as a new employee or the first kind of 90 days in a new business. Like, what are you going to do with that very finite moment? And so I applied the same logic as I did in my corporate background to this. But I think so much of that came from pulling other leaders in to say, hey, you know, I respect you and your leadership, people on my team, whether they're title dictated it or not. I saw leadership qualities in them and said, hey, I want your take on this. How would you go about doing this to get insight, to really like get buy-in from people that were going to be a part of the culture too? And so I knew that this couldn't be coming from me passing down this mandate of how this was going to work. I mean, the uniqueness is I am not a boss. I am a leader of the team, but there are a lot of leaders on the team. There's a lot of different styles and different personalities. So in some ways, what I was doing had to be even more innovative because it wasn't like, just listen to me because I'm the boss. It's like, listen to me because there's going to be value in this for you. And let me show you what the value is. So I, I brought other people along with me to do that. I got their insight. I got their buy-in. They started training on it as well. So it wasn't just coming from me. And then we would make tweaks. Like if something wasn't working anymore, I wasn't just bashing my head against the wall saying, why doesn't this work? It was like, no, I've got to reevaluate. Like what worked five years ago in this industry doesn't actually work quite the same way anymore. And I'm sure that's true in a lot of industries. You always have to be paying attention to like the clues of, hey, I, I can't get stuck here just because it's what I've always done. So onboarding has been no different. I mean, the tools, the platform that we use for it, um, the insights from doing a ton of listening to books on Audible uh, podcasts. I mean, I'm I'm noticing that I don't have more to give unless I'm refilling my own tank first. So I hold myself to a pretty high standard with that, knowing that the only way that's going to show up in my business and on my team is if I've done that work first and not expect other people to do it before me. Um, so I think no matter what profession you're in, you, you definitely want to apply that logic. You're not going to be able to outpace somebody up and coming if you're not first, you know, filling your own tank. Um, and, you know, I think onboarding is a unique experience because everyone has a different expectation around what that needs to be or should be. So one of the things that we implemented was actually quick communication with new consultants on our team. And I actually offer new consultants on our team kind of a, a quick power shot, which is what we call like a very focused, quick coaching call. I used to do calls and now I do um, it on Voxer, which is a voice app technology, but it's so that it can be on demand, not like live on a phone call. Mm -hmm. But I offer that because what we noticed was, especially in the line of work we're in, where we're all remote and we're all over the country or all over the world, is that people need to be seen. They will do so much more than you ever would give them a task list to do if they feel appreciated from the start and understand the very basics of what to do next. It doesn't have to be as in-depth as you might think. Like, it doesn't have to be a list of 30 things. Give them a list of the first three and help them feel successful with those things and then let them know that you appreciate and you see what they're doing and that you're in their corner that will go a really long way. And that's actually been an unlock for us even in the last few years. Love it. And, and there's so many parallels between 
what you just described and what everybody in the insurance world is doing, I think one of the hardest parts about keeping up with what you just said is not getting in our own way as leaders because ego is a thing. Like everybody has an ego. I don't care how humble you are or how grounded you are. Everybody has an ego. Everyone wants to be validated by their peer group, by their stakeholders, by their customers. It's an intrinsic human need. We, we, we seek validation 24-7. We're looking for it either actively or, or you know, indirectly. How have you managed to keep your edge as a leader of leaders where you have your own production, you have your own customers, but at the same point, your success, your scale is definitely predicated more on your ability to create other good leaders. How many, how many levels was your downline? Like eight, you said? Well, we, we get paid on six levels, but I mean, my downline goes further than that. So, A lot further yeah. than that, yeah. yeah. So for you, your success and the way that you're growing this Rodan Fields empire is a lot more dependent on you being a good leader of other leaders rather than you delivering a great customer experience, which in case you're wondering, folks, that's the way we land this plane. We're going to talk about delivering those moments of, ooh, as I like to call it, you know, to yeah. the, the surprise and delight kind of thing. So before we get there, how have you found success leading other leaders in an effective way? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is I like to arrange people in places that they can shine. So I don't, I mean, a ranger is one of my strength finder, you know, results. So if you've ever taken that mm -hmm. achiever, yep. arranger, yep. encourager, those are my top three. So I think they all align for sure in what I do. But one of those things I've noticed the most is that I notice what somebody's gifting is really early. Um, I can see it even sometimes before I think they notice it. And it's kind of become something I've been known for is like, okay, I notice your your quirky sense of humor. Like you need to utilize that. That's a gift, like they, yeah. you know, that I couldn't necessarily replicate, right? So my goal here is not to be more like you and your goal shouldn't be to be more like me. But of course, the skill stuff that we can all learn and teach that's useful for everybody. But the art, the art needs to be whatever your special gifting is. Not everyone necessarily should start a podcast, for instance, right? Like there's just a, a bunch of variables there. So what I really love to do is I like to notice what somebody's specialness is. And a lot of times you have to spend time with somebody to really understand that. And and also call it out for them. Like maybe they've never heard that they have this incredible gift with words. And maybe they have this way with making people feel so seen and comfortable. Call that out in them. Like let them hear that because it, first of all, it might be the only time they've heard it. Or maybe they haven't heard it in a long time. Maybe they are not in a relationship that's making them feel like that all the time. So it's good. It's good to mention that. And then also like put them in positions where they can exercise that more. So I don't necessarily have all leaders who love to do what I do. Um, some like to train, some really don't like to train. And I've absorbed some of that responsibility knowing I enjoy it. They don't need to enjoy all that, but then their team can be part of it. Um, and then I have some that are just incredible in social media, even so much better than I am. And I take inspiration from things they're doing. And so let people shine in, in what their gifting is. And if you don't know what it is, you probably need to spend a little time with them to understand it and then call it out and make sure that they know that you see that and then tell them you need to be doing as much of that as we can make happen. You know, like 
obviously there's still things you have to do in your business. So you can't like avoid all the things that you don't like to do necessarily, but you know, do the things that you are really gifted at that nobody can do quite as well as you, that zone of genius, spend as much time there as you can. And, you know, as a leader of leaders, I'm like, okay, I don't want them to try to be like me. That will, that they'll feel miserable because then they'll be in that comparison loop and we don't need that. They just need to be them and they need to be the best version of that. And then also they're going to inspire people that would never necessarily connect with me in the same way. They're going to connect with somebody who needs what they have to provide. And so that's a big piece of it. I love it. Now that's, that's giving them what they need to thrive in their role and having an idea of where it, it fits in. Unfortunately, in our world, it's not nearly as linear as what you guys have just because of the, the nature of the, the structure yeah. of a multi-level marketing kind of company, uh, we have an org chart and there's a lot of different roles and they manifest in a lot of different ways. I'm a little bit jealous, honestly, of, hey, this is your one function. You come in, (laughs) you sell product, you serve your customers, you deliver a great experience, and you repeat that process over and over and over again for years and years and years and you're very successful. That, obviously, I'm oversimplifying it, but that's it. That's the box. Talk yeah. to your customers, be aware, understand your product, be able to give people what they need, help deliver the experience that they're looking for, and then ask for more business and repeat as necessary. That's basically the whole game, right? Yeah. Well, I think the the piece of it too, which, which I didn't fully appreciate until I got into it, was that we can never make decisions for someone else. So a lot of times people think that is the box, and it, it largely is, but then you have that one customer who actually is dying for someone to ask them, hey, do you want to do this with me? And that one consultant is not asking them because they're so consumed with their little box. And so Mm -hmm. there still is some of what you're describing. It's just when it's your own business and you are not an employee of a company, you definitely can make it whatever you want. And so there's freedom in that. Um, But yeah, I, I think it's really a fascinating business model. I don't think it actually gets talked about the way that I, I've definitely experienced, but I've seen so many people experience. I was in corporate America. I did not want my boss's job. And that was actually like the linchpin that got me really dialed into what this could be was the realization as I was sitting across the table, having an incredibly difficult conversation with an employee at the SVP level, letting him know that his role was being dissolved and his position was going away. And I was sitting there thinking, I don't want to do this for the next 30 years of my life. I don't want to do this for the next 30 years. So I quickly realized, well, that's what my boss does 100% of the time is these kind of conversations and these legal conversations. I'm just like, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think everybody gets to kind of assess what's going to be their future. Well, I'm really grateful that we have HR as a thing. And I'm grateful that that's not my thing. I'm very grateful that I have someone yeah. else to handle those conversations. Um, Allison actually is involved in HR. We jokingly refer to her as HR. It's like, oh, oh, Allison walks in the room. Everybody, everybody chill out. Everybody chill out. Allison's here. <laughs> so I know she doesn't awesome. particularly care for that. But hey, you know what? It, it is what it is. That's uh, what yeah. happens when you are the co-owner of the company. Some things yeah. just fall to you by default. For sure. So. 
Uh, as we wrap this thing up, because I promised you around 35 minutes, and we're just about there, strangely enough. That happened quick, I know. Yeah, it did. Um, I, I wanted to ask you how you go about the process of creating what I like to call moments of, ooh, and the delight that we get to bring to the customer, to the client. You have a, an advantage in this conversation for sure, because I don't know if anyone ever has naturally gone, ooh, about risk management or commercial insurance <laughs> ever in the history of mankind. Uh, it takes work for us to present the the sparkle, the shine, the sizzle on the stake, if you will, because most yeah. people just think of it as purchasing a commodity that's not very interesting until we help them understand that, wait a second, risk and insurance is the engine of our entire economy. No one would ever take any chances. No, Rodana Fields would never create a product without insurance for product liability. What happens if your product poisons someone or gives them a horrible rash on their face? Like there are insurance policies that make Rodan and Fields possible. And right. until people think about the solutions to uh, problems and, and beyond just a product that we sell, when they think about the why, then they start to get it. And then they realize, ooh, wait a second, I'm better off now because of X. Yeah. You have a much easier path to making one of those moments of delight happen, of course, because someone receives a tangible product, experiences that product, and has a positive vibe from it. You know, they, they like how their skin feels or the makeup or whatever the other product categories are. Yeah. How do you structure all of that? Because I know from talking to you, it's not about the product. It's about yeah. the experience. It's about the way you make your customer feel. You're really good at that. So as we wrap up this episode, this is the last big point. So you can carry this thing as far as you want. Well, thank you for that compliment, because I think that that's the thing that you always hope is landing for people. Obviously, I do sell a product. I sell a lot of incredible products, and I am passionate about them because I use them personally, and people I know personally rave about them too. So I'm confident in that. But what I have really distilled it down to is I don't sell a product. I sell a set of emotions. I sell confidence. I sell um, the way that you walk into a room, the way that you um, speak at a board meeting, the way that you are going to love on your kids because you finally feel more yourself. I mean, all sorts of things. So I'm for sure tapping into all of that because I experienced that personally. Um, but then also, I just think that that's what people really want. I mean, that's what I want when I'm shopping is I want to know that whatever I'm investing in is something that is going to leave me better than before I had that product, you know, in my bathroom. So, you know, that's a big piece. But then the other piece of like the surprise and delight is that after doing this for a long time, I definitely have figured out what I'm best at. And what I'm best at is making someone's life simpler by the way I do business. And so, I'll say this to anybody, no matter what industry you're in, there's a normal way that people probably typically do what you do. And then there's this, I think, blue sky moment of figuring out you can do it whatever best way there is for you and your customer. You are not required to do it the exact same way that someone trained you and taught you to do it. I mean, parameters, obviously, what's legal and what's safe and all those things. But I kind of noticed really quickly that in the business that I was in, a lot of people had the same complaints about um, this industry, right? And this, um, the way in which products get delivered to you. A lot of times there's these kind of 
misses that other companies have had around product just showing up at the doorstep and an auto ship and, oh, I didn't know I was getting this and all these things. And I started listening and I thought, you know, I'm never going to let that happen. And I can actually create a whole different experience around this. And I can actually create raving fans who are like, oh, you need to buy this from Andrea because the way she does it is this way. So I pretty quickly realized I wanted to be more of a concierge approach to the products that I sell. And for anyone who was buying from me, I wanted them to be really confident that they could refer others to, to me because the way I did business was something they could really like tell others about. And so I make that part of my conversation when somebody gets started on the products. And I'm like, hey, I just want you to know my role here is to keep buying your skincare and hair care as simple as possible. So that's the last thing you have to think about. You just shoot me a text when you need more and it'll show up in your doorstep a couple of days later. And my goal in all of that is then I get to know the customer in a more specific way as well. Because I know the more I'm talking to somebody, the more I'm going to know how I can help support them, what their goals are, what's working, what's not working. And that's only going to help my business. It surely has helped my business over 10 years because my my turnover is like so minor for customers. And in this profession, that's a really wild statistic. I think that my like my stat is like under 1% of cancellations in 10 mm. years. And I, I have so many customers that have been with me for 10 years. And like I said, in skincare and hair care sales, that's really low. That's unheard of. Um, yeah. yeah. I, so. I, I can't even imagine 1%. It's, that is a <laughs> yeah, testament it's, it's, to the way that you do business. Yeah. And I think the other thing is like when you're making it fun for you and people can see that you genuinely enjoy what it is they get access to seeing, right? Like there's parts of my job like, oh, sure, taxes, not my favorite part. So my customers don't see that part. They see the part that actually faces them, which is the part that brings me joy and delight and excitement. And so when people see you doing something that genuinely does light you up and you get excited about it, then they naturally are going to be more loyal. They're going to be more committed to like, okay, if I'm going to buy, I want to buy from you because I know that you're going to be in the loop. You're going to be able to communicate with me. And no matter what you're doing, you want to make sure that people know that because otherwise there is going to be competition somewhere else. There's going to be somebody that's louder, you know, that's getting attention and disrupting. And so it is important that you're very rooted in like what you do best, what you deliver to them that they get to see and have access to and just being consistent over and over with that because that's definitely been the, the case for me is I'm wildly consistent with that because that's what they can see. The correlation between your world and mine, I just think is wild here because in the same way that there's a bunch of other reps out there that are hawking exactly the same product, same exact product, same SKU, exactly. same barcode, <laughs> it's the same product. Yeah, it, it drives me absolutely nuts when people are marketing their insurance agency in such a way to talk about, well, I'm going to save you money, or mm-hmm. look at this great coverage we have. It's like, look at this widget. Oh, right here. You like this widget? Hundreds of other people sell exactly the same widget that you sell. What else you got? Don't talk to me about price. Other people have the same price. Don't talk to me about coverage. Other people have the same coverage. Yeah, It's it's the advisor behind the policy. It's what do you deliver, insurance person, your expertise, your problem-solving skills, your creativity? How are you able to get them 
to where they need to be. Because the insurance policy, the insurance product, mm-hmm. they can get that anywhere. That's not yeah. a compelling reason to do business with you. Andrea, I absolutely love the way that you have put a nice little bow on this episode because when people started listening to this episode, they're probably thinking, what? Why? <laughs> what can I possibly learn from a Dan and Fields person? Like yeah. makeup, hair care, that is about as far from insurance as humanly possible. Actually, no, not so much, folks. I know. I'm surprised, too. I had no idea <laughs> some of these things like, wait a second. There's a direct correlation. Oh, I see it. We're yeah. basically the same thing. You just swap yeah. out that insurance policy for cosmetics and hair care and skin care and all that stuff. And it's basically exactly the same business. It, you know, we have a more complex org chart, but every agency owner out there is recruiting people for their downline, yeah. just like yeah. you are. So yeah. wild. Yeah. yeah, it's great. There's no cap on your potential with something like this, which for me was always so exciting coming from HR because like you're never going to make more money than your boss in the org Ever. charts I was looking at. And so yeah. I, I just think it's so good for people to learn about other industries because it's really freeing when you start to um, take rules that you've applied to things and just assumed about things. Um, and I just so appreciate your openness to have me on for that reason, because I think a lot of times people won't because of it. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm constantly inspired by other business owners and what they do best. I, I think the curiosity effect is really, really important. I can't help myself. i I hate saying it now because I'm almost 40 years old and I know I'm supposed to be a master of a small number of things instead of, you know, good at a large number of things. Sorry, mom, if you ever listen to this episode, but she used to brag that her son was a jack of all trades, a master of none. And the longer I'm living life, I'm like, oh, gosh, no, may it never be said of me that I'm not a master of any trades. It's like, hey, can I just stop being all these jacks? Can I be an ace or a king in like three or four things and just kick the jacks off the boat? The the curiosity effect leads to mastery. Yeah. And I, I could I see that in you. You live that out. And I, I think just as we end this episode, like, how do we get better? Well, implement these good ideas, be curious, but then implementation is key. Andrea has been successful because she is wildly fanatical about implementing these things and making it habitual and making it a regular thing. So everything yes. happens the way that it's supposed to over and over again. Yes. So, Thank any you final so thoughts much. as we as we end here? No. Yeah. Just um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. Always a um, podcast is called More of What Matters, and having a lot of conversations on there about some of these things and some more personal things. So it's a it's a good mix. Awesome. Well, she is Andrea Olson. I said your name right every time this Yay! episode. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> it's so rare to get now, that right. You're the only Andrea with that spelling that I have ever met in my life. So oh. congratulations on that. <laughs> hey, if you guys uh, find yourself wanting some great um, skincare and, and makeup and hair care products, uh, check out Rodan and Fields. I will get Andrea's link and put it in the show notes. I know that's the most random link I have ever shared on an insurance <laughs> podcast. But if that's you, I want to make sure you get the opportunity to connect with Andrea and someone on her team. So thank you. That is it for this episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We'll talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks as always for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to the show and leave us a review if you like what you hear. 
Those subs and reviews are actually super important for our reach to new listeners. Get your copy of my book, Leaving Captivity, on Amazon or Audible for the audiobook version. We'd love to hear from you, so please send your thoughts, questions, ideas, and general feedback to us at podcast at jamesjenkins.com. Agency Freedom is produced and distributed by podsquad.fm. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Make it a great day, boys and girls. Until next time, let's go.